Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Our sermon text today is in Luke 1, 26 through 38. I'll give you guys a second to turn there. In the sixth month, the angel angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call, him, call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign for, over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. From this text this morning, I'll bring a message entitled God's Big Announcement. He's coming. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, we praise you for this day. We praise you for this opportunity to come into your presence this morning. Father, we want to praise you today for, again, the power of the gospel. Thank you again for the wonderful testimony that we have heard. Lord, we, we also thank you, Lord, not only for the verbal testimony, but we thank you, Lord, for the, the testimony of faithfulness, your faithfulness, Lord, Lord, the faithfulness to keep your word. Lord, even as our brother has reminded us that you use weak things, Lord, we know that, uh, that the gospel is not weak, but we know people are. And we thank you for the way you use Jeff and Karen Thomas, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the way you used um, a young virgin girl like Mary, who, Lord, said, I am your servant. And Lord, even today, as Blake and Jonathan called me a servant, Lord, I was, I'm humbled and honored to be called a servant. And Lord, uh, we desire this morning that you use uh, your servant today to your glory, that you speak to us through your word, Father. You know my inadequacy, Lord. Uh, Lord, um, but we also want to thank you today for the power of the word of God. 
And Lord, we make ourselves available to you this morning and we say, let, let it be to us according to your word. Be glorified now in this time. Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, I pray we will worship you in spirit and in truth. As we've done so, we trust in our singing, in our praying, Lord, in our reading of scripture. Lord, we want to continue to worship as we hear the word of God. So be glorified now, be in control of our thoughts, our motives, our actions, our words, and we pray you'll speak to the hearts of people through the powerful word of God today that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We ask that you use your word today to accomplish its purposes in the hearts and lives of your people, that they might be, we might see this wonderful miracle of the incarnation, that the word became flesh, that we might see it, Lord, in a, a, get a greater glimpse of your glory today in this wonderful, the most wonderful miracle. But also, Father, we ask that you continue to work in the hearts of unbelievers who are in our midst today, and we're so grateful. Thank you that they are here. We pray, God, that you will speak to our friends who do not yet know Christ, that you would awaken them to their need for Jesus. You would draw them unto yourself, bring them to repentance and faith, which only you can do through the power of the gospel. So we ask that you do your work, even as we've heard of how you've done that work in Guatemala. We ask that you do that today here in Lucy. We love you, exalt you, and praise you. Meet with us now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. People are becoming quite creative today in announcing pregnancy. And, uh, and, and then later on, of course, the gender of the baby, right? Um, <clears throat> when we uh, got our uh, word about uh, the soon coming of our granddaughter, Joel and Natalie took us out, took Karen and I out for my birthday. <clears throat> By the way, I wasn't hoarse when I started out this morning. Sorry about that. Don't pray for me. Uh, but we went to a restaurant just to celebrate my birthday together as a family. And they gave, after our meal, they gave me a birthday gift. And then they had another gift that was uh, for both of us. And it was a large jar with the words painted on it, Grandbaby Spoiling Funds. Well, it only took us a little while to figure it out. And there was a lot of celebration going on in that restaurant. And of course now the whole idea, I mean, we just called up our parents and said, we're going to have a baby. Oh no, not, it can't be that simple anymore. We just called them up and said, you know, well, we didn't know till the babies came what we were going to have, but now you know the gender. And so, you know, you have a gender reveal party and it's a production. We had colored cupcakes, you know, to tell us what, that we were going to have a granddaughter. And uh, others, of course, have all kinds of ways of, of, of pink or blue colored confetti or whatever at the party to reveal the gender. So it's, it's become quite a production. Well, God had a big announcement, didn't he? As, we, as we're studying together, looking together at various passages on God's miracle, the word became flesh. And God brought this big announcement of the coming of his son, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And this announcement that we've read today uh, that was brought by his angel Gabriel to Nazareth, uh, again, uh, it just happened after the same angel Gabriel had gone and spoken to Zacharias the priest to tell them, to tell him 
that they too would be experiencing uh, the, the blessing, the miracle, if you will, of, the, of a birth of a child in their old age that they'd been praying for a son. And the angel had announced to him about the birth of, of uh, John the Baptist that would come, as we know him now, in, late in, in his life and in, in Elizabeth. And so, again, this son, of course, to them would be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And so when we open by reading that it was in the sixth month, we're referring, it's referring to the sixth month of Elizabeth's um, pregnancy because he had just given them uh, that, that announcement. So this big announcement that Gabriel makes could be summed up in these, those, those uh, two words, or with the contraction, I guess, three. He's coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming. And now we celebrate today the fact that he has come. Amen. And we want everyone to hear the big announcement. And that's the joy we have of sharing that good news with others. So I want want you to look with me, if you will, from uh, four truths from this passage concerning his coming. The first one I want you to see is that he's coming through an ordinary person. He's coming through an ordinary person. As we see him coming to uh, the town of Nazareth there, we know, of course, that Bethlehem was, uh, would be the birthplace of the Messiah, uh, of Jesus, uh, prophesied in Micah 5.2. And so God sovereignly arranged uh, for that to happen through the census uh, um, that would take place, requiring the people to go back to their hometown. So that would be, of course, how... Uh, Joseph and Mary got back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, but Nazareth was was the Nazareth was the place of their their living where they lived uh, and would, was their hometown. It would be Jesus' hometown, and you probably know and we find in this passage that it was a small town, a village there in Galilee. There was. Um, that you'll remember later, Philip would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They didn't have a very high standing. People didn't think very well of them. There were a lot of Gentiles in the area. Uh, so there was a lot of Gentile uh, pagan influence on, on the area. Uh, and of course, even in that, we see the wonderful reality of who Jesus came uh, to redeem the world. He came uh, to be the Savior of the world. But he came, Gabriel, to this to this small town, this small village perhaps of Nazareth, to a virgin, a young virgin girl named Mary. Uh, and it was very common for young women uh, in, among the Jewish Hebrew culture to probably be betrothed maybe, uh, as, even as young as 12 years of age. So, so Mary, no doubt, was a very young teenage girl, and uh, she was betrothed to this young man named Joseph. And we know, of course, that betrothal was, was, a, was like an engagement, except far more binding. In fact, you could not uh, be released from a betrothal apart from a divorce. So we know and are grateful that Mary was, a, uh, was pure inwardly and outwardly. Uh, and so again, when we come to verse 28, Gabriel uh, immediately says to her in greeting her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And so he's literally calling her greatly graced one. And she is about to become or the, the great recipient of God's grace. Not, by the way, a dispenser of God's grace, as the Roman Catholic Church teaches, but rather the, the recipient of God's great grace. 
And uh, Mary, we read here, is gr was greatly troubled. By the way, you would be too, right? Uh, but she was greatly troubled at this news. She was greatly troubled, not so much frightened as she was, uh, not so much frightened by maybe the angel, but what, is, what in the world is he talking about? And this word means to stir, stir up throughout. I mean, she was completely stirred up because of this tremendous announcement. The angel Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word favor again is the word grace. Once again, you are, be, you are being greatly graced and God is, is going to greatly grace you uh, and demonstrate his grace toward you. Remember what grace is? His unmerited, undeserved favor. Uh, not because of who she was or not because specifically that she was uh, sinless herself. She was a sinner as well in needing of God's grace. Uh, she was a, but God was giving her the privilege as a human, ordinary vessel of being a part of his extraordinary plan. And we're going to hear more about that. The, be, being the instrument of caring and giving birth uh, to the Messiah. Uh, being a part of God's plan of the incarnation of God becoming human. What a wonderful, wonderful matter, uh, news that God had brought now uh, to Mary. We know, of course, we're, we're told that she was espoused to Joseph, uh, betrothed to Joseph. And while he would not be the biological father, he still played an important role. And uh, he too was of the family of David, the lineage of David. Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew traces uh, Jesus' uh, genealogy through Joseph. And he would legally name him, as we read in Matthew uh, chapter 1. And this would, again, affirming Jesus' uh, lineage from David in a legal sense. And uh, even though they would marry and eventually have children, uh, as Scripture is very clear about, um, Mary, uh, however, Mary and Joseph, the, the Bible tells us, remained virgins until after Jesus' birth. So again, Mary would not only conceive, but also give birth as a virgin. So they were both, Mary and Joseph, ordinary sinners who needed a Savior like anyone else, but who were greatly graced by God. We read after this that Mary went to visit with her relative, uh, Elizabeth, uh, who, uh, and also, of course, after she shared the good news with, with Elizabeth of uh, God giving her uh, this miracle in her life, and, and she would become the, the, um, uh, the one who would carry God's son. We read that she broke out in song. Kind of reminds me of the, uh, uh, the old musicals, you know, where they start singing. You think, well, that's not really natural. Well, it happened. It happened in the Bible pretty often. And so they break out in song, and, and Mary does rather, and this is the beginning of her song. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Well, folks, I want you to know, only sinners need a Savior. Mary was a sinner in need of a Savior, and we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Only sinners need grace. And we all are sinners in need of grace. We have all been greatly graced by God in sending Jesus. As he sent Jesus uh, through Mary, and she was blessed and graced in that sense, then we too 
uh, rejoice and we can identify with Mary in that sense because we too are sinners in need of a Savior. We too need the grace of God. Have you responded to the grace of God today by repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Christ? If not, it's our prayer that, that you will recognize your need for Him and will respond to Him. The second thing I want us to see and second truth I want us to see uh, in this passage concerning His uh, coming is that, his com- that He's coming in fulfillment of prophecy. Again, we begin there in verse 31 when he begins to explain to her what's going to happen. Uh, He explains to her what is about to happen. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. She will uh, call his name Jesus, and this is going to happen just like the Old Testament said it would happen, just like prophecy is being fulfilled. It is being fulfilled uh, right here. The first prophecy, I believe, being fulfilled is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The very first, uh, known as a proto-evangelum, the first uh, gospel in the, in the Word of God in the Old Testament was there in Genesis 3, 15. Uh, of course, that, that, that told us that the, the Messiah would come through the offspring of the, the woman. He was also coming, she's also coming, that uh, he's coming in fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. Matthew points to this picture in Matthew 1, 22 and 23, where he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we said, they were calling his name Jesus, again, which certainly points to his humanity. We'll see more of how it also points to his purpose, his saving purpose. Other boys had the name of Jesus. No doubt, you know, I I know when I was in school, uh, there was always several Davids in every class. And uh, no doubt, there were were other Jesuses, if you will, in his neighborhood. And uh, growing up, it was not an uncommon name at all. It was uh, the Old Testament name, Jesus. So many may have had that name, but only Jesus had his identity. And he describes what that identity is uh, in this passage. He says to her, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now we see that, that, um, that John the Baptist earlier, we're told that John the Baptist was called great, but he was called great as he was according to the Lord. And uh, he was great in God's eyes. And Jesus was great, as, as John MacArthur points out, he was great in and of himself, with, uh, again, uh, no one outside of himself. Um, so so uh, from any other source outside of himself. MacArthur says that to identify Jesus by this term, Son of the Most High, uh, again, speaks of the fact that he is of the same essence as God. We saw that in the Philippians passage last Sunday. He has the same, he's of the same essence, the same form, if you will, of God. He is fully God. We saw that this morning in the Colossians 1 passage that Blake read to us. It's seen also in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and there in Colossians 2, uh, verse 9 as well. He is, uh, all the fullness of God dwells in him. We also see the fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6. We read last Sunday. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we see he's fulfilling the prophecies concerning his full deity. 
And again, we see another prophetic fulfillment in, in verses 32 to 33 where we read, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so again, God had made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 to 17, and, and it includes this promise. Listen to verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Well, it may have looked to some like, how is that possible for, a, for someone to have a, a kingdom that will last forever? Well, the only way that's possible is through the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes, uh, who's from the lineage of David and fulfills that prophecy absolutely and perfectly, as we also see it in, in Isaiah 9, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Also, Micah 5, 2, that says, From you, Bethlehem, shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Jesus is Lord. He perfectly fulfills the prophecies concerning him. He's always been, the Bible says. He told uh, the Pharisees before uh, Abraham was, I am. Am. He's always been. He always will be. Revelation eleven fifteen says, He shall reign forever and ever. The American statesman Daniel Webster was asked once if he could comprehend how Christ could be both God and man. He answered, no, I cannot comprehend it. If I could comprehend him, he would be no greater than myself. I need a superhuman Savior, that is Jesus Christ. What a great Savior we serve. What a great Savior is our Lord. He perfectly fulfills all the scriptural prophecies concerning Him. And while we cannot comprehend Him, praise God, we can know God the Father by knowing him. Do you know him today? Have you come to recognize him as your Lord by turning from your sin and trusting in him? Are you serving him? Are you making him known? And, and are you rejoicing today in how he perfectly fulfills what was promised concerning him? But thirdly, I want you to see another truth concerning his coming. He's coming through a miraculous plan. Again, in verses uh, 34 to 37, we see this. Mary's words are very significant here. She says, how will this be? Notice, unlike Zacharias, who questioned and wanted a sign concerning uh, the uh, coming of his son, John the Baptist, um, Mary didn't really question whether it could be. She said, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the word virgin is, receives the greatest emphasis in the Greek text, as it should. Because again, this is the greatest miracle of all history. Isaiah 7, 14 said it would happen this way, as we have read. The angel Gabriel, as God's messenger, said it would happen this way. And praise God, it did happen that way. Amen? And God's word is clear, and we believe him. 
Uh, so again, note how, now God, how God the Father uh, and God the Holy Spirit were both involved. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, again, um, this word for uh, Most High is the Hebrew name for God, El Elyon. And it's used to demonstrate how God is sovereign and the powerful ruler over heaven and earth. The word overshadow is also used in the account of Jesus' transfiguration, the accounts of Jesus' transfiguration. And the word here means to surround or encompass. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said that a similar word is used in the Old Testament to speak of God's glory and of his presence in the Holy of Holies, as we would read about that, both, of course, uh, as God led his, his people through the, the, the wilderness, but in the temple of how the, the Spirit of God would overshadow, in a sense, and would, uh, would fully encompass the place so that people couldn't even minister and people couldn't enter because of the presence of God. So picture, again, how God is involved in this, in this way. And, and again, he, he says um, this... this speaks of, of the, the Holy of Holies, the Jewish tabernacle. And he, um, Wiersbe concludes, Mary's womb became a Holy of Holies for the Son of God. So this miracle resulted in the incarnation of God becoming man, being fully God and fully human. He describes him as being holy. The word holy, of course, means set apart, sanctified, set apart. And, uh, and again, it's uh, holy because it's through this miraculous plan of virgin conception that Jesus had no sin nature. In verses 36 and 37, uh, Gabriel lets Mary in on some important family news. Remember, they didn't have email, telephone, cell phones, Twitter, any of those things. And uh, he, give, he gives some good news that comes from Elizabeth that in her old age she had conceived and was now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. This too was a miracle, not anywhere to the magnitude of the miracle of, uh, of Jesus, God becoming man and his coming birth. But, but again, it, it proved, as he says in here in this verse 37, that nothing will be impossible with God. And we read in the next verses that Mary quickly uh, went to visit her, her relative. You know, how gracious it is. And you, you moms could under, can, can imagine, probably could relate to, to, to Mary. But any of us could relate when we've heard something and we know someone who can relate to us, can know what we're going through, could both at one, on one hand rejoice with her and, and God's miracle, but would believe what God had done that was so hard to believe. It was so impossible with humanity, but not impossible with God, uh, but could rejoice and could relate and could pray for, and no doubt Elizabeth in her old age could counsel this young, this young woman about where to go and how, how gracious God is. Isn't God gracious also to give us fellow believers that we can, uh, we can spend time with in prayer, that we can encourage? What a, what a blessing that God brought this about, but also... Remember that her son John, their son John, Zacharias, Zacharias and Elizabeth, their son John, would be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. As far as we know, not, not ever knowing him until the, the time and when he, till he announced him, when he said he's coming. And he announced him by saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away 
the sin of the world. I'm sure that time was very sweet. So we see this miracle of God, this miraculous plan. It, it amazes me that there are people who, who doubt this miracle, who doubt the miracle of the virgin birth. On the other hand, even I've heard out of and people, some even who were Baptists, who, who not, maybe didn't so much doubt the miracle, but they downplayed it. They, they treated, it, 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 treated it as if it was not even really important. Oh, dear friend, it is extremely important. Again, MacArthur says, no issue is of more importance than the virgin birth to our understanding of who Jesus is. So why is this miracle something to celebrate? Why is it so essential? Well, let me name just a few. First of all, of course, it affirms the truth of Scripture that clearly declares that this miracle would happen and that it did happen. God said it. Is that not enough? God said it would be exactly this way. But also this miracle second made possible his full humanity and full deity. Fully God and yet fully human. What an amazing miracle. Even as Webster said, I can't comprehend it. I can't get my skinny brain around it, but I believe it. Amen. And I accept it. It's what God said. It's what made this happen. Thirdly, it made possible for Jesus to be born without a sin nature. You see, every other child is born with a sin nature. Yes, moms, even your precious babies, all of them are. We all are born as sinners. We have a sinful nature. And, and only a sinless Savior could die for sinful people. Only a sinless Savior could do that. And as a sinless Savior, as Jesus was. And again, only a, a, a sinless God-man could die for all of us. And then number four, it made possible for God to be with us. Jesus, again, our Emmanuel, God with us. It made fifth possible, number five, it made possible for us to have eternal life and life forever with him because he is life. And I'm sure there's many more that could be named, but praise God for this wonderful, miraculous plan of God that makes it possible, as we've seen in the book of Hebrews, for us now to draw near to God through Jesus, the perfect intercessor who now is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. I want you to see finally number four, and we're going back to verse 31 to, to point out this truth again, that he's coming, he's coming to accomplish God's saving purpose. Again, we see, and uh, once again, back in verse 31, those wonderful, precious words. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. It comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua. Uh, translated Joshua, we typically say it in the Old Testament. Again, a common name. It means Yahweh saves. It's no longer a common name, is it? It, it means Jehovah is salvation. Again, this revealed the primary saving work that he came to accomplish. Gabriel later revealed to Joseph and, and told him, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And again, after his birth, Joseph called him Jesus. Gave him that, that precious name. 
Jesus would later say that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He dealt with our greatest need. He dealt with our sin problem. And friend, if you're here without Jesus, uh, the only one who can deal with your sin problem is Jesus. No good works, no church membership, no going through the waters of baptism. Nothing you can do can take away your sin problem. No one but Jesus. We read in Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Again, Jesus came and he dealt with our sin problem. The Bible says he bore our sin in his body on that cross. Uh, the Bible says he, he, he became sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God through him and in him. And again, when we recognize that by the work of the Spirit of God, by the hearing of the gospel, we're brought to uh, repent or turn from our sin and place our faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone to save us. The Bible says that, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are forgiven and redeemed from our sin. And, and again, we're uh, given His life we're transformed by the power uh, of his precious blood and cleansed and made right and put in reconciliation or right relationship with God. That's good news. And that's why Jesus came. Have you responded to that good news? Have you responded again by turning from your sin and placing your faith and trust in Christ alone? And then if you have, what are you doing about it? Are you sharing that good news? That's news that must not be kept to yourself. And, and what, that's why the Bible says we are to redeem the time. We're to make the most of every opportunity we have to proclaim the gospel to our lost family and neighbors and, and, and friends and others that we come in contact with and people uh, to the ends of the earth. Uh, we're to take the gospel. We have the privilege and the responsibility of being ambassadors for the king. But I want you to see in that final verse, verse 38, uh, the response of Mary. Mary said in verse 38, and, and behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's response demonstrates the way we all must respond. She said, I am your servant. The word servant literally is doulos. It means bond slave. A bond slave, was, it was clearly understood, had absolutely no rights uh, to themselves. Uh, they fully belonged to their master. And they, they served at the pleasure of their master. And friend, that is exactly who we are as believers. We are bond slaves of Jesus Christ. It's our privilege to serve him. And our attitude must always be, Lord, I'm your servant. Whatever you desire to do with me, use me for your glory. We know him, we love him, we trust him. Even as we've heard uh, the Thomas's testimony this morning and how God has been, has been glorified through using them to proclaim the gospel. But again, friend, if you're here without Christ, you too must come to him and say, Lord, I submit to you. Even as Saul uh, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? When he met him on the road to Damascus, our attitude must be, I'm available. I surrender to you. I urge you today to, to follow Mary's example and submit to him as your Lord. Soon after Victoria had become the Queen of England, she went to hear Handel's 
Messiah. She was instructed that according to protocol, she was not to rise when others stood at the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus. So when the singers were exclaiming, Hallelujah, 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 for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The queen remained seated, but with great difficulty. Finally, they came to the part of the chorus where they proclaimed Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. And Victoria could stay seated no longer. She rose and stood reverently with her head bowed before the Lord, who alone is great. As we heard last Sunday from Philippians chapter 2, one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friend, you don't have to wait until then. You will then. If you're a child of God, you will confess him with great joy. So I urge you now, child of God, as even as Mary did, continuously confess him as Lord. Continuously acknowledge him before others as Lord. But if you're here again and you've not responded to him as Lord, today can be that day for you. If you're willing to acknowledge him as Lord, turn from your sin, place your faith and trust in him as your Lord and your Savior. We pray that you will surrender to him today. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.